At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into your Wednesday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. And yes, the Rams do survive, more than survive, they thrive and advance in the playoffs after. I was going to say a great wildcard game, but not a great game for the Cardinals. We'll get into all of that, but I'm very excited that we get to keep talking about this Rams team and that they're headed in the right direction at the right time. Also in football news, UCLA football, some pluses and minuses, transactions. This transfer portal is bananas. It's impossible to keep up with at this point. UCLA. Likely losing two veterans here. Uh, Monday, they announced that they are entering the transfer portal. It's cornerback Jay Shaw and wide receiver Chase Coda. Uh, Chase, no. Uh, Shaw tied the team lead with three interceptions in 2021 and two interceptions in 2020, which was that shortened season. And then as a senior last season, Chase Coda was the Bruins' third leading receiver, catching 18 passes for 286 yards and one touchdown. Now, that said, their absences could be offset by the arrival of Duke wide receiver Jake Bobo and Central Florida wide receiver Titus Mokayo Atemala. I'm sure I messed that up, but I just tried to get through it. Uh, plus, they also have incoming freshmen Jaden Marshall and Braden Pegan. So, some additions, some pluses, and some minuses. Also, Wyoming cornerback Azizi Hearn announced also on Sunday that he was committed to UCLA as a graduate transfer. There was a little bit of buzz about this happening, and I'm not really sure why, because it wasn't even really like a top prospect or player in the Mountain West. But cool. Great. Hope to see great things. As for USC, speaking of great things, my goodness, is Lincoln Riley just recruiting up a storm. Lately, the latest news, wide receiver Brendan Rice, the son of NFL Hall of Fame wide receiver Jerry Rice, announced on Tuesday that he's transferring to USC from Colorado. He'll join former Oklahoma wide receiver Mario Williams. Why do I say Mario? Man, if you guys listened to the pod on Monday, I did the same thing. Mario Williams, Mario and Luigi, I got it. So he'll join former Oklahoma wide receiver Mario Williams and 2022 Adidas All-American wide receiver CJ Williams, Williams and Williams Co., and now getting Brendan Rice from Colorado. 
Do you need all these wide receivers? What are you building over there, Lincoln Riley? I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. In today's show, first, I have to recap that Monday Night Football wide, wild card round. Cardinals at the Rams. And then, of course, we'll take a sneak peek ahead to some of the numbers that are already coming in as far as the betting handles for Rams at Bucks. That's the next weekend game. Then, of course, NBA action, Wednesday action, Pacers at Lakers and Clippers at Nuggets. And then finally, some men's college basketball going on on Thursday. Both UCLA and USC are in action. They're both on the road. UCLA at Utah and USC at Colorado. Both teams fell in the rankings after last week's loss to Oregon. Both UCLA and USC lost to Oregon. So a little bit of a drop in the rankings. But first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bet River Sportsbook. NFL playoffs, of course, Rams at Bucks. Bucks, a three point favorite, home favorite. Total sitting at 48 and a half for this game. Right out of the gate, I like an under for this game. Rams money line plus 132. Bucks minus 150 money line. As for the NBA, Clippers right now. A 12 to 1 to win the West. The Lakers are actually 14 to 1 to win the entire championship. But the Clippers have the Nuggets. They're at the Nuggets, actually. And they're a seven-point dog. Total sitting at 212. As for the Lakers, also in action on Wednesday, Pacers at Lakers. Lakers a five-point favorite on Bat Rivers. Total sitting at 222 and a half. Ooh, precarious. You can find all these odds at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Let's Get into it. Let's start with a quick recap on Monday Night Football. Break down what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't. I said before this game a lot of things. I actually had five bets on this game because I had way too much time to look at props for unforeseen circumstances. Uh, and so I was... I don't normally bet props because I just think it takes eight million extra steps, in my opinion. Um, at least for the way that I handicap them. Uh, so it can be difficult for me on a week-to-week -week basis, especially with so many teams going on. But I did take some props here, and one of the fun ones that I bet for this game, and I'm starting with this one because it is the one of my four, yeah, four bets that hit. So I'm going to start with the positive news. Uh, I had OBJ and Cooper Cup to score a touchdown at 3-1, to one, which was not incredible, insane value, but I thought that was kind of fun for 3-1 to one because it didn't sound far-fetched to me. And plus also OBJ had a big game. And I thought that's the way it was going to look. That's what we kind of talked about. I also talked about on Rush Hour on VEASAN and also on this podcast, I said I could not see any reason not to lay the points with the Rams at home, but I didn't because I was writing this and I was like, why did I? Because I chickened out. There's no other reason, really. I mean, Kyler Murray kind of, I mean, scared me a little bit, even though everything that I laid out in the podcast pointed to the Rams covering this easily. And that's what happened. And so I think that's really another part of betting that maybe isn't discussed as much. But the more often you do it, if you are betting regularly, for example, if you're a casual better, probably doesn't apply. But if you're betting regularly, having the confidence, maybe some people have too much confidence. But <laughs> I think that's actually probably the bigger issue for betting is just intense confidence. But <laughs> sometimes we really think we have a game figured out like this really to me should not have been Rams minus three and a half. I thought the Rams are going to win by a touchdown or more and they did. And so something about, I guess, trusting your handicap, trusting your gut. I feel like Pamela Maldonado always tweets about that from Yahoo Sportsbook. One of the friends of the pod. Got to get her back on here. Actually, maybe she can help me out with some props, but that OBJ Cooper cup one hit. So that was three to one. It covered all my losing ones and I still had a little leftover. So that was nice. But, uh, 
I think I had Matt Stafford over half an interception. And lo and behold, bless Stafford's heart. I mean, the Rams turned the ball over nine times in the previous four weeks before that game, but he did not have an interception this game. And also, I have to say, as I was watching, credit to Sean McVay by helping Stafford out with the game plan here because I love seeing Sony Michelle and Cam Akers going, get going. They didn't score any touchdowns. They combined for 113 yards on 30 carries. They did their job. And when we talked about keys to win this game, one of those keys was getting that run game going. And it didn't need to be over the top. It didn't need to be scoring. I mean, of course, ideally, but you don't need that because you have Stafford to kind of do that in other areas and you have talent in, in other areas. It's nice that you can go to that run game and the Rams really haven't utilized it very much for whatever reason, whether it was injuries to tight ends earlier in the season or, I mean, Cam Akers, we just got him back for the first time. So it is it is nice to see that kind of going and, and credit to Sean McVay because I think Stafford, good on him. I mean, 13 of 17, didn't throw as many passes, nearly as many. 202 yards, two touchdowns. I liked him over his passing prop, but he didn't need to, right? Those are two different storylines if you think about it. All of the stats said Rams, to me, are going to win by more than a touchdown. But if that was going to be the case, they were going to win it the way they did, which meant that Stafford didn't need to be just slinging it the rest of the game. The only reason that would happen is if I thought the Cardinals were going to show up and make this a game. So those are areas where my handicap didn't really line up on that prop. And so that's something I didn't end up betting that prop, but that was one that I talked about. And, you know, he hit under on this because they didn't need him to be doing a ton of passing. In fact, they really wanted to be running it at the end, just get that clock down. So credit to Sean McVay and Stafford for kind of getting that figured out. I don't know how much of this is just also the Cardinals just completely shooting themselves in the foot. Final score for this game, 34 to 11, by the way, in case you missed it, that was an under, that was one of my bets as well. Have I said on this show before that I hate betting overs? Yeah, I do. This is how they usually end. But it makes sense. I mean, third time these teams have played this season, Monday night football, all eyes on them. And the Rams defense, it's playoffs, winner, winner go home. I mean, there's lots of things at play here that would lean towards this being a little bit more tight lipped. But that said, it looks like at one point the Rams were going to get us over the total basically by themselves. They led by 21 at the half. That, by the way, is their largest halftime lead in a playoff game in franchise history. And also, before we move on, you know, further into this, another scary moment with Buda Baker. Really just brutal. I didn't have the sound on at one point when this was going on because I was doing something else, recording something. But uh, I looked up, you know, and was like, oh, my God, why is everybody on the field? I'm like, oh, Buda. And then they showed the replay, and I was like, oh, geez. So... Obviously suffered a concussion, scary one, but he did say that he will make a full recovery. Um, so that is good news, but man, scary, scary out there. It's literally modern day gladiators. It's terrifying, but I love to watch it and we love to bet on it. So I'm glad to hear that he's going to make a full recovery. As I said, Cardinals kind of just, I mean, what happened? Wheels fell off at the end of the season. I even saw some stats, some tweets about Cliff Kingsbury at the end of seasons for not only his seasons with the NFL as of late, but his college seasons and how a lot of them ended as five of the last six games were losses, four of the last six games were losses, et cetera, et cetera. So there's something to be said for people figuring you out at the start of the season and him not being able to adapt, adjust, come up with anything new or 
bamboozle anybody, I guess is the word I will use there. So uh, it definitely showed in that game. Kyler struggled. Cliff, I mean, it was just a K thing going around. Kyler, Cliff Kingsbury, the Kardashians probably had a rough weekend. But 19 of 34 for Kyler, 137 passing yards, no passing touchdowns, and two interceptions. You could have told me that was, if you showed me both quarterback stat lines, I, I might have thought that was Matt Stafford's. And like, no no disrespect to Matt Stafford, but just the way things had been going for him. Uh, but man, and most damning stat, I guess, of the game really was that Cardinals went zero and nine on third downs. No conversions. <laughs> They're just the third team in the last 20 years of playoff games to fail to make a single third down conversion. The only other team to do that, uh, 2018 Colts in Kansas City and the 2012 Bengals in Houston. Terrible. Remember when the Bengals are bad? It's fun that they're not anymore. Uh, not as bad, at least. So yeah, I think that all in all, the only thing too is I said the Cooper Cup was going to be an important weapon for this game. Again, kind of an inconsistent handicap on my behalf, I have to say, because... There's two scenarios here, and all of the stats said this is how I think the game's going to go. But again, that would mean that Stafford didn't need to be airing it out a ton because they weren't going to be playing from behind, which is the case. And also that Cooper Cup wasn't going to be need like needed to be utilized as much. And also, if you didn't notice, OBJ also had a huge game. And something to take into consideration with this, I mean, a lot of people talk about the regular season, the incentives, getting a certain amount of catches or touchdowns or whatever for these players and betting on those. And those are absolutely great ways to bet on props because you know that the player is going to be extra motivated literally by money. Uh, so if you didn't know, when OBJ signed with the Rams, it was a one-year $4.25 million deal, most of which was full of incentives. But most of the possible incentives were... I mean, basically all team performance based rather than individual performance based, which I love because if they're, you know, spending the money or bringing them over mid season and they're a team that's built to win now or whatever, then you better be getting us wins team performance. Like we don't care about your individual stats. Like the team needs to win, do your job to help the team win. So he earned a $500,000 incentive because the Rams won that game. He had four catches for 54 yards and a touchdown. He completed a pass again to Cam Akers, 40 yards that set up a touchdown two plays later. So great, great game from OBJ. And that's also why I liked, you know, kind of combining him with that Cooper Cup prop. Even though Cooper Cup wasn't utilized a ton, he's still Matt Stafford's go-to guy. So I just felt comfortable uh, as, it, as it were to kind of make that fun prop bet. So... That said, also OBJ, he can earn an additional $750,000 with a win next weekend in the divisional round, of course, versus the Bucks. So, intrigue, intrigue. 500K last week, 750K with a win next weekend. Let's talk about next weekend. So, Rams at the Bucks. Bucks, a three point favorite here. Total sitting at 48.5. Does this seem correct? Does this line seem correct to you? I get it. The, the Bucks are at home. Do the Bucks have a huge home field advantage? Not, not to my knowledge. Rams plus 132 on the money line. Bucks minus 150 money line. I might go spicy and go Rams money line here just to kind of, I, I don't know. I hate, <laughs> it's a narrative bet, but like I hate betting against Tom Brady. Just who likes that? To the point where also people will say that about Nick Saban, which hello, Alabama just lost, lest my wallet forget. And people will say that about Bill Belichick. 
I'm more scared to bet against Tom Brady than Bill Belichick right now. Yeah. So <laughs> that will come into play. We'll see what the numbers say. We'll go over all of that in depth, get you all set for that on Friday show. But as of right now, taking a look at some of the stats from Bet Rivers, these are as of Tuesday. So a couple of the most wagered on or strongest public plays is what we can look at here. So the most wagered on plays by total money. The Bucks are third. It's just behind Packers money line and then Packers minus six. Who's laying Packers money line? Who's I want to meet these people. Message me on Twitter. Anyways, <laughs> third, third and most wagered on plays by total money is the Bucks right now at Bet Rivers. And then strongest public play by percent of bet money. So by percent of money as opposed to tickets. It's the Bucks in fourth here. Bucks minus three. So that's getting 74% of the bet money. And then public plays by ticket. So strongest public play. Public is on ticket wise. Most tickets. First is Rams Bucks over 48 and a half. Which is very interesting to me. I know that the Rams are not going to be facing a necessarily particularly tough Bucks defense. But... If the Rams defense played the way it played last weekend, I would hope that that frustrates Tom Brady a little bit, but we'll get into why that could be an issue. There is a stat that I'm looking at here that is worrisome and maybe explains that. Uh, strongest public spread plays by percent of money. So spread plays that the public likes most based on money. The Bucks are second. Bucks minus three. That's getting 74% of that spread money. And then... As far as tickets are concerned, the third most would be the Rams plus three at 52%. So that's kind of interesting because as far as money is concerned, more money on the Bucks minus three, but way more public tickets on Rams plus three. So that should, if you follow reverse line movement or any of that stuff, you know who's actually great talking about this is Josh Applebaum. It'd be interesting to bring him on to talk about this at some point. Uh, maybe we'll bring him on on Friday. And people who kind of just are looking at what the market is doing and make their bets based on that. Because this is, I mean, this is to me telling you that more of the money is on the bucks. Maybe the bucks is the correct side to be on as opposed to the public amount of tickets. So interesting Rams also, by the way, a little bit of odds change now, obviously after the wildcard weekend, the Rams were five to one to win the NFC. So plus 500 to win the NFC and now plus three fifty. They were 10 to 1 to win everything, to win the Super Bowl, and now 7 to 1. The Bucks before wildcard weekend were plus 350 to win the NFC. They're now plus 260, real short shot here. And then they're plus 750 to win the Super Bowl before wildcard weekend. Now Bucks are plus 575 to win the Super Bowl. So 10 to 1 or plus 575, Rams or Bucks. Rams at 10 to 1. Oh, it's not 10 to 1, it's 7 to 1. Mm. <laughs> I get it. I get why. I mean, 10 to 1 sounds way better than 7 to 1 to me. Uh, if you wanted to get that Rams Super Bowl ticket, if you haven't already. Where are the Bucks at? The Bucks just beat the Eagles real easily, 31 to 15. And that was despite not having Leonard Fournette or Chris Godwin. Still managed to gain 349 yards on offense, including 106 yards on the ground. So are you getting why so much money is on the over already? More importantly, uh, they did shut down the Eagles' rushing offense, which is a top-ranked rushing offense. They allowed just 95 yards on the ground, 34 of which came on one run by Boston Scott. I'm sure somebody had a prop on that. I'm sure they were very excited. 
Sports betting so fun. Uh, Tom Brady, by the way, 29 of 37 for 271 yards and two touchdowns. And guess who? I mean, with Chris Godwin out, had to go to Mike Evans, right? Mike Evans catching nine of those completions for 117 yards and a touchdown. Huge game. But again, first the Eagles and the Rams, not even comparable, not even close. So some of the trends, if you will, Tampa Bay is 10 and two against the spread in its past 12 games at Raymond James Stadium. That's of course, including back to the last Super Bowl. And the Rams are five and0 ATS in the past five games in Tampa. So interesting. Isn't it fun how you can find trends that support whatever side you want to be on? Tampa Bay, 10 and two ATS in their past 12 at the stadium. Rams, five and0 ATS in the past five meetings in Tampa. So who's it going to be? Who's going to keep their trend alive? I think it's going to be the Rams, even though all the money's telling me the other way. And also Tom Brady is on the other team. That is a very large mental hump I have to get over and beyond mental actual stat hump. I mean, you heard what he did versus the Eagles. And the only reason I'm concerned right now, I'm going to have many more reasons later in the week to be concerned, but LA's defense is 22nd against the pass, okay? Tampa Bay's offense is number one. Scary. Could see a lot of passing on both sides, really. I mean, OBJ, like I said, he's got a lot of incentive to do well and have them win the game. Uh, he had six touchdown catches in eight games so far since joining the team, so that's been going up. Like I said, the Rams are going in the right direction for me right now. That's what I want to be seeing. Um, Bucks, of course, are going to try to stop whatever run game the Rams try to get going. But if they can even do what they did against the Cardinals and just do enough to help Stafford out, you know, that gives him some slack to do his thing. And I do not mean throwing interceptions. We got rid of that last week. We're moving on. We've cleansed the aura. <laughs> and also, of course, the Rams defense is going to need to just ruin Tom Brady's day, which is hard to do. Have you seen that? Have you ever, like, when was the last time you saw a non-smiling picture of Tom Brady? And I'm not talking about, like, his game day photos where he's, like, serious or yelling. I'm just saying, like, this is, like, looks like the happiest man in the world. And why wouldn't he be? He's Tom Brady. He's married to Giselle. There's lots of things. Uh, since he joined the Bucks, by the way, Los Angeles and Tampa Bay have only played each other twice. Rams won both games. They beat the Bucks 27 to 24. That was back in 2020. And then in week three of this season, they played... And the Rams won 34 to 24. That's interesting. So 68, or excuse me, 58 total points scored. It's playoffs. Does that tighten up a bit? Or is Tom Brady just going to pick apart this pass defense? Probably. <laughs> Especially because the Rams are down some safeties. Ah, oh, jeez. Also, more, hist more history here. When it comes to playoffs, the Rams and the Bucks have met twice. And the Rams won both games. So maybe Tom Brady is the recipe now to flip this script. But the times they did play, they were both very low scoring. It was back 1979 and then 1999, both times in the playoffs there. And each time, though, the Rams won both. And those times, they went on to reach the Super Bowl. Not win, but reach. Is this Rams team going to win the Super Bowl? They have to get through Tom Brady first. I'm nervous. We'll talk about it more in Friday's show. That's all I have for right now. Coming up, NBA action on Wednesday. Clippers in action, Lakers in action. That's next on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. 
Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Check out the new match tips at Bet River Sportsbook. The new tips feature gives you special insights on player props and match bets for the top tips of the day. Go to Bet Rivers before the game, find your match, and tap the tips icon to see independent research on recent team and player performance. Bet with confidence. Visit the Bet Rivers mobile app or go to betrivers.com and get the top tips of the day. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Playable only in states where Bet Rivers is licensed and in New Jersey at Play Sugar House. Welcome back into the Los Angeles City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Let's talk about the NBA, starting with the Clippers. Let's go backwards before we go forwards. That's, you know, got to know where you've been to know where you're going. Monday, Pacers at Clippers. Clippers were a two and a half point favorite. They win and cover. Wait for this score 139 to 133. Yeah way over the total. I said I liked the under for this game, and I had good reasons. This total was actually set at 209.5, so the book was with me. <laughs> it thought this was going to be a low-scoring game, and we see this explosion. No overtime, 139 to 133. Crazy. Uh, that said, the Clippers are 3-3 three and three ATS in their last six, so it's not like they've been on a tear or anything, but this was surprising. I mean, surprising like when they beat the Nets their second time around, so... Let's get into why this happened. The Pacers shot 51.5% field goal percentage. They had seven players in double digits uh, scoring, and then six of those seven had 13 or more points. Karis LeVert had 26. Chris Duarte had 24, led the pack there. But just all around kind of all around shooting. And then the Clippers, weirdly enough, 54.9% field goal shooting, so even better than the Pacers, which... Based on the numbers, that's a little surprising. Nick Batum, 32 points. Reggie Jackson, 26 points. And Marcus Morris Sr., 21 points. So Batum, just really important. And Reggie Jackson, frankly. Um, all these guys I just listed, these three guys are the ones that need to have this offense going. Uh, Marcus Morris Sr., I think, lately has been very consistent in putting up points. And that just makes sense for the way that they're kind of playing him. But Reggie Jackson needs to show up like that every night. And Nick Batum, like, I think is the key. I think he's the missing piece here for this offense. <laughs> he's not. It's Paul George and Kawhi. But for right now, these are the options we have. Really crazy. I don't know what to say. This is an aberration. This is an outlier for me that this game was this high scoring. It's really, really shocking. But it makes sense with all of the ins and outs and ups and downs we've had with players in, players out with COVID issues. So now Wednesday, Clippers at the Nuggets. Now the Clippers are actually a seven-point dog here on the road. Total sitting at 2.12. This is a 7 p.m. Pacific time start again on Wednesday night. The Nuggets just lost to the Jazz on Sunday. So 125 to 102, another high-scoring game. But they played Sunday, so plenty of rest for them to play Wednesday night. And as I said, the Clippers were in action on Monday night. So a little bit shorter rest, but I don't think make or break necessarily. Uh, as far as the COVID injury side of things, the Clippers, Luke Kennard, questionable, would be great to get him back. And then also update on Paul George, kind of, will miss a few more weeks with his elbow injury, even though we all saw him at the Rams game with Kawhi and they got booed, guys. They got booed. That was sad. Um, but I did think it was funny because seeing Clippers players, even, even like Kawhi Leonard, who's, you know, I'm not going to give... Paul George, the same credit, unfortunately. But 
even Kawhi Leonard, who's so talented, but to see two Clippers players at a Rams game is funny because I guess I associate the Rams kind of with the Lakers. I think most people do, right? Because the Lakers are kind of like LA's team and the Clippers are kind of not. They're secondary. They're the little brother. They're always going to be second to the Lakers. Not really even a close second, unfortunately. I'm sorry if you're a Clippers fan, but that's just, you, you have to know this, right? And it's fine because then you get to be the underdog in the relationship, right? The little brother has so much motivation to try to beat the older brother. And so seeing two Clippers players at a Rams game was kind of funny because I was like, that's like, I don't know. They should go to a Chargers game. Oh, wait, they can't. Um, and also, would you see Rams players go to a Clippers game? No. Like, I would see Rams players at a Lakers game. I would even see them at a UCLA basketball game or USC basketball game before I would see them going to a Clippers game. And that's with Kawhi and Paul Georgian. I'm serious. I hope we get them back because that would make this interesting. That would make this team infinitely more interesting, even though they're doing their best right now. They're 19th in efficiency differential. The Clippers offense, 27th, again, out of 30 teams in points per 100 possessions. They're 20th in effective field goal percentage. It has been trending upward, though, at least. Their offense is kind of starting to get back on track after they had so many people out with health and safety protocols and COVID. So it does seem like things are starting to swing a little bit more in the right direction for them. Clippers defense still holding up strong. I mean, it slipped a little bit, obviously. That was a huge scoring game. But sixth in opponent's points per 100 possessions and fourth in opponent's effective field goal percentage. So I love betting on this Clippers defense because it's nothing if not consistent. Uh Again, last game being an aberration. As for the Nuggets offense, they were 16th in points per 100 possessions. They're fourth in effective field goal percentage and overall 14th in efficiency differential. Again, that just takes a team's points scored per possession and subtracts their points allowed per possession. Are they scoring more than they're allowing to be scored? That's what we want to know. A Nuggets defense, 13th in opponent's points per 100 possessions and 20th in opponent's effective field goal percentage. What does it all mean? They're pretty middle of the pack, literally. I mean, they're 14th, 16th, 13th. Uh, the Clippers on the other side, elite defense by the numbers. Not so elite offense, not at all. Lower end, almost the worst <laughs> in a lot of categories. Uh, but somehow 19th in efficiency differential, and efficiency differential, excuse me. And that's a lot of credit to their defense, really. So their offense having that explosive game last game was... Really cool to see, but I wouldn't bank on it. Like, it's not consistent enough for me to bank on at this point. Uh, so many players are out for the Nuggets, though. Bull Bull, Jermichael Green, Vlatko, Michael Porter Jr., all out. So that is something to consider here. Uh, I like the Clippers plus seven. I do. I think I like the Clippers plus seven, and I like under 212. Now, of course, if they go off and just shoot really well like they did last game, then we could have another crazy score. But... I think we see more of a Clippers style of game here. Hopefully, Clippers defense does their thing. And I like Clippers plus seven. You're getting seven with the Clippers right now based on how they played last game. Take a flyer. Take a flyer on it. All right. Let's talk about the Lakers now. Six to one to win the West right now at Bat Rivers. They were in action on Monday. Jazz at the Lakers. I talked about this game. I felt very confident about the handicap. And once again, just like the Clippers one I just talked about, did not go according to plan. I leaned over for this, but this went way under. Lakers win 101 to 95. And they started to play the Lakers brand of defense that we saw a little bit earlier in the season. Starting to get this back going. Now, I also said I expected to see LeBron's shooting game bounce back because how often do we see LeBron just off for several games? He did not bounce back necessarily. He went 9 of 20. Uh, or no, he did. I mean, 
9 of 20, 25 points. But here's where he really came came into play here for me. 10 of his 15 points came in the fourth quarter. That's LeBron James. That's why you bet LA Live. That's why you wait for the Lakers to fall behind. And then you know LeBron is going to come in the fourth quarter and make this a close game or win it. Like they did here, 101 to 95. Um, the Nuggets had had such a good game versus the Jazz that I really thought that this was going to be just a blowout for the Lakers based on the effort we saw from them. But LeBron even said post-game, there's quotes from him saying that he's the leader of this team and they just did not have the energy they needed for that game. Um, and not and more mental, I think, energy than anything for that. He said they were not in the right spot. So really, really switched gears here. And LeBron James has the power to do that on a team. Lakers got 44 points from their bench, by the way. And Utah scored just 17 points in the fourth quarter, only shooting 36.9% from the field. So that is like U-turn, like completely flipped around on that. So good on the Lakers, good on the Clippers for proving me wrong, really, on Monday. Wednesday, Pacers at the Lakers now. So of course the Pacers, as I mentioned, just lost to the Clippers on Monday. That was that very high scoring game. Uh, so both the Lakers and the Pacers coming off two days rest at this point. Lakers a five-point favorite in this game, 2.22.5, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time tip-off for this one. Uh, COVID injury update. Anthony Davis still out. Knee evaluated next week. Fingers crossed for him. LeBron James, Dwight Howard, day-to-day. -day, probable. Carmelo Anthony, out. He was day-to-day, -day, now, now downgraded to out. So no Carmelo. Not a huge hit necessarily, but not good. As for the Pacers, still Jeremy Land, Malcolm Brogdon, day-to-day, -day, and then Miles Turner and TJ Warren are both out for the Pacers. Uh, when we look at these side-by-side -side with these four factors, the Lakers are 23rd in efficiency differential, so worse than the Clippers, and that's because, frankly, their defense hasn't been as strong and consistent as the Clippers have. But that said, this last game was quite a step in the right direction. Overall, though, 20th in opponents' points per 100 possessions, 17th in opponents' effective field goal percentage, and 10th in turnover percentage. So good at creating those turnovers from the other teams. Um, as far as their offense, 23rd in points per 100 possessions, and 11th in effective field goal percentage. So taking into account that threes also, you know, are more points than the in-the-paint points. And the Lakers don't have AD right now. Dwight's dealing with some injury, uh, and LeBron's having to get in the mix down there, too. So... This has not been a very strong rebounding team as of late. They're 24th in offensive rebounding percentage. The Pacers are fourth in offensive rebounding percentage. Uh, so maybe a mismatch there. I said this about the other game though too. And that was just kind of not expected in my opinion. Um, I'm not sure which Lakers teams I'm going to get. And so we're back to the, to the live board at this point for me. I haven't bet the Lakers game... The last two games because the game before LeBron had that really bad shooting night it did not look like they were going to be able to bring it close and they did not and then in this last game again very surprising I didn't trust that they were going to be able to to kind of do what they did and they did so now willing to look at this game Lakers minus five pregame isn't very fun I'd rather get some points with them during the game and I think there's going to be opportunities too the Pacers are the better offensive team here they're 12th in points per 100 possessions and 17th in effective field goal percentage so lower effective field goal percentage than the Lakers but more points per 100 possessions I think the pace of this game will be pretty quick 222 and a half is the total 
I mean, if that Lakers defense played the way it did under, but I think that's a pretty low total. I would almost lean over for that. 222 and a half, probably over. But for me, it's an end game. You know it is. Uh, coming up, let's do some men's college basketball as well. UCLA and USC both in action on Thursday. That's next on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Check out the new match tips at Bet River Sportsbook. The new tips feature gives you special insights on player props and match bets for the top tips of the day. Go to Bet Rivers before the game, find your match, and tap the tips icon to see independent research on recent team and player performance. Bet with confidence. Visit the Bet Rivers mobile app or go to betrivers.com and get the top tips of the day. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Playable only in states where Bet Rivers is licensed and in New Jersey at Play Sugar House. Back here on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Let's talk some Pac-12 basketball because it's got to be one of the most fun and infuriating, and everybody says that who has to handicap, but one of the most infuriating conferences to have to handicap because this these teams are all able to beat each other on any given night, at least the top five teams, right? And we have a lot of those matchups going on. I mean, just to give you an idea of the chaos, Stanford is the team to give USC their first loss of the season. And then Oregon goes to sweep UCLA and USC, her both ranked teams, number three and number five, but since then have dropped, obviously. And unfortunately, I don't think that Oregon got enough credit for those wins. I think they're sitting uh, still pretty low as far as the rankings are, I mean, not even in the top 25, but as far as Ken Palm rankings are concerned. That said, UCLA is at Utah on the road on Thursday. Last week, as I said, UCLA hosted Oregon. They lost. Then they hosted Oregon State on Saturday, and they won. That said, they fell from number three to number nine in the AP rankings. Meanwhile, Arizona in the Pac-12 out in front now leads the Pac-12 in the AP rankings at number three. Utah lost to Arizona State on Monday, 64 to 62, and lost to Arizona before that, 82 to 64. So by nearly 20 points, that is very interesting because UCLA will probably be a pretty hefty favorite here, double-digit favorite. And Arizona beat them by 18. Interesting. UCLA is 18th in adjusted offensive efficiency. They were 15th last week, so a little drop there. And then also they were 17th last week in adjusted defensive efficiency. Now 20th. So little dips there, but nothing major for me necessarily. Oregon was a good team, and it's a good coach. And we know how far coaching goes in college basketball as opposed to the NBA. UCLA, that said, they do a great job taking care of the ball. They have one of the lowest turnover rates. It's ninth overall for all the teams. Um, they're 52.9% effective field goal percentage. That's great. UCLA shot so well in that Oregon State game. Actually, the Oregon State game on Saturday, I believe the total was 145 and a half, and I think the total points landed on 146. I know it was just over by a half point. So I thought, that's why betting is fun, right? Isn't it so fun when you have a bet and it lands so so close. Uh, I luckily did not have that bet this time, but I thought it was funny because I leaned to an under in that game and you would have been wrong by a half a point. And the only reason really in that game, my point, I guess, that got me off on that tangent is that UCLA shot so well. They shot way above their means that night. I think almost 60%, 61%, something crazy. And they haven't been shooting like that. And I said after that Oregon loss that they just did not shoot well. They gave the game away. They came back versus Oregon State and shot so well that I don't think the total knew that was going to happen, obviously. The bookmakers weren't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that. So 
them shooting that well, their defense doing what it does, and for it to just barely go over, I'm like, it really just did that because UCLA had no business shooting that well, but I love it. Let's stay in business. As for Utah on the other side of things, they're 76th in offensive efficiency adjusted and 166th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Great, cool, what does it mean? Uh, they're 48.5% effective field goal percentage and 33% from three. Basically, really good really good shooting um, as far as it pertains to free throws for this team. They're shooting almost 80%. It's eighth overall of all teams. And so, you know, if you bring Greg Peterson around, who does a great job with college basketball, not even great. That's like such an understatement. He's incredible. He bets every side, every total for every college basketball game. He's got to find him on Twitter. Uh, but... Yeah, if you brought Greg Peterson on the show, which we have before, and I love having Greg on, he would tell you how important free throw shooting is for a team. And so this especially is important to me too, a total as well, knowing that Utah is going to be an 80% shooting team, even better than UCLA. UCLA was a very strong free throw shooting team. They've kind of taken a dip in that category as of late. And I think that's more of a, a nod to Miles Johnson than anything because um, – he was playing a lot when Cody Riley was out and his free throw shooting was kind of bringing the average down. Sorry, that's what happened. <laughs> but on a positive note, Tiger Campbell was shooting uh, around 50% from three. It's dropped a little bit down to 47%. But I'm just really proud of the way that UCLA bounced back after that Oregon loss and shot so well versus Oregon State. They just need to be able to do that consistently. Uh, Utah, I don't think necessarily going to be too much trouble for the Bruins. Like I said, UCLA will probably be a big double-digit favorite here, so I'd probably avoid a pregame bet on the side, but maybe there'll be something live. UCLA actually has not been, like, stellar ATS this season, so to me that means in-game they're going to fall behind a little at some point, and I'm going to be able to get a much better number on them. Also of note, three of the last four UCLA games went over, and the last four Utah games have gone under. <laughs> Great. So what do we make of that? I could see this going over a total that's in, say, the low 140s. Otherwise, I'd look under. Anything above that. You know, if we're talking like something really high, like 149, 150, I'd definitely look under here. Um, but I think you'll see something in the low 140s. And it could go over if UCLA shoot. I mean, regression to the mean, they're probably not going to shoot as well as they shot the other night. That's just probably unlikely. I don't bet over, so I'll probably bet an under on this. We'll see what the number actually ends up being. As for USC, they're at Colorado, so also on the road. Quick recap, USC hosted Oregon State last week. Shaky, scary, but they got the win. And then they hosted Oregon on Saturday and lost. So they fell from number five in the AP polls to number 16. Meanwhile, Colorado beat Arizona State, which is one of the worst teams in the Pac-12 right now, last Saturday, 75-57, to and then lost to Arizona the best team in the Pac-12, uh, 76 to 55. That's funny. Like one of the worst teams is Arizona State and then the other Arizona team, the best team. Hmm. Interesting. Well, uh, yeah. So they only lost by 21 points <laughs> to the best team in the Pac-12. So they're not that bad. Uh, when we look at Colorado, they're 99th in adjusted offensive efficiency and 68th in adjusted defensive efficiency. So again, 99th compared to Utah's 76, so not even as strong of an offense as Utah has. And then the defense, much stronger, because Utah was 166th and Colorado was 68th. So I'm expecting a lower scoring game here. I'm expecting USC 
defense to kind of get back on track here after some big games last week versus Oregon. Uh, that said, Colorado is a pretty good shooting team. 49.6% effective field goal percentage. They're 32% from three, but not really a heavy three-point shooting team. They don't shoot it from there a lot. So I'm expecting it to be lower scoring for that reason as well. I lean under. It depends on the number, of course, <laughs> as this all does on every single number and every single half point. But the last four USC games have gone over. Highest total on those, though, 142. So it'll be interesting to see what the number comes out for this. I wonder if it'll be something similar around there. Uh, but it shouldn't be because Colorado's offense is not as good as Oregon's was. And that total, again, 142. So I'm expecting this to be something lower, maybe something in the high 130s. And if so, I mean, if it's around 143 or so, that's definitely an under to me. But Hard to say. I think this Colorado defense should be good. USC's defense will look good. They're 34th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Last week they were 20th, so quite a drop. And that's what I meant by saying I'm expecting their defense to get back on track here. And as for a side, USC hasn't covered their last three games, and Colorado has covered three of their last four. USC will be highly motivated coming off that Oregon loss. So I think that USC is going to cover the spread, not knowing what it is right now. Uh, and I think that we could see... Some good defensive performances from these teams. That's what I'm hoping to see. Uh, but I can't always rely on that USC team. Colorado, however, very disciplined. Thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. Remember, new shows three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If you ever have questions, comments, concerns, or just want to talk about Los Angeles sports, then please feel free to tweet at me, at Danielle Alvari. And remember that I will be back for more fun and games on Friday's show. So please come on back for more of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.